Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Hey, friends, welcome today. I am sure that all of you have been like spending the last few weeks, just like perusing seed catalogs, looking at plants, desiring to look at plants, desiring to smell soil. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) I know I am. I am definitely longing to see things grow. Um, I think there's this moment in March where, you know, in the North, we're like, everybody's like, oh, it's spring. And you see everybody else and what they're doing and you see flowers blooming and cherry blossoms and you're like, oh, it's brown. It's brown outside still. And it's very messy. It's very gross in this time period of the melting of the snow. And I think it leaves a deep longing for green. Because for us in the North, it really doesn't happen until like really May. Like April, we might get the grass greening, but May, that's when the trees come back with their leaves, just or usually right before Memorial Day. So I just thought if we're thinking about growing things and what we're growing, I wanted to go through how I suggest determining what to grow in your garden or if you've never grown a garden, where to even begin with determining what to grow? Because I think this is a big topic. I think I always say to beginners, the main thing is that you need to start small. Like don't overdo it because 
that's the easiest way to fail or to feel like a failure in gardening. And my goal is for you to feel successful that even if something doesn't go right, because it won't, something won't go right, you will still want to come back the next year because it just leaves you with such a connection and desire. And when we have too much on our plates or we're trying to learn too much, it can be too much to handle. So I think it's really, really important to help ourselves determine how to narrow down what to grow. Because when we see these seed catalogs and we see these beautiful plants in a moment, it's like being completely unsationably, some unsationably hungry and seeing your favorite foods. And so you just go crazy, which is fine. You know, I think if you're going to have a problem, seed hoarding is probably on the scale of like, that's probably not a terrible thing, <laughs> but I don't, I want you guys to feel deeply successful in your garden. And to me, this is the thing that we go through in intense depth within, we did it within the community and some of our events this last season. And as we were starting our plans, but I also go through it really in depth, like a whole module of determining what to grow, all of that within that simple garden planning e-course. And there's also a suggested beginner grow list within there that as well, and a downloadable chart that actually shows you like how much you should actually plant for your family if you're planning to eat a lot of your food out of your garden. Like how much do you actually need to grow? Like what, how much fruit does a tomato plant actually produce? And like, do I need two tomato plants? Is that enough? Or do I need six? Or in my case last year, 40, <laughs> which you don't need, I promise. <laughs> but I have all of that in the course. And so that it, it helps you really hone in on these things and understand it. But I'm going to talk through some of the high points today to just kind of give you an overview. And if you want to dig in deeper, obviously you can go check out the course or you can just get those that great beginner grow list or the downloadable chart by just looking for the ultimate garden toolkit. So that is something else that you can also choose to purchase within our learn.freshexchange.com shop and website. So, but let's go over this because I think it's a big deal. So first of all, when we're thinking about what we should grow, the number one first question you need to ask is what do you like to eat? Do not grow something you don't like eating because there's a good chance that you're probably going to have to eat it. <laughs> if it fails, obviously you don't need to eat it. But what are you going to do if you grow a ton of kale? Like one of our community members was talking about how she accidentally like overplanted kale and they had like so much kale, they had no idea what to do with it. Now, if you have chickens, pet rabbits, things like that, they're going to love that you have kale. But eventually at some point, you're going to have to either eat that kale or you're going to have to find somebody else to eat that kale, or you're going to have to find a compost pile for that kale, which is a real shame, or you're going to have to find somewhere to donate that kale, which is also okay. But grow things that you actually eat. So I highly suggest thinking about like in the summer, what is the thing that when you're at the farmer's market or you're getting a CSA or you're even at the grocery store and you're like, that is my favorite thing. I look forward to that. And I can go through a bunch of things for myself, but I highly suggest making a list, literally. And it sounds silly, but those are the things. Don't get caught up in the beautiful vegetables. 
Get caught up in the things that you actually eat, okay? That's your first job when you're determining this. The next thing is what are you actually, if you're a beginner, there are some things I don't suggest you grow, okay? They are challenging, whether you grow them for seed, whether you get them as a start, whether you do seed starting, which I also don't suggest for beginners, but more power to you if you want to try. But there are certain things I actually do not suggest tomatoes for beginners unless they're a determinate variety because they're a little easier, they're more contained. Um, they are genetically modified, so they have a lot more resistant to diseases. There's a lot of things about them, but I actually think it's better for the environment and for eating and for a lot of other reasons to grow indeterminate and more heirloom variety tomatoes. They have a lot more interest to them. And so I actually suggest waiting till you have a little more experience. And instead of growing tomatoes, growing tomotillos, which you need a buddy for, they need two. So they do take up a lot of space though. And so it depends on what you actually have the room for. And I also suggest that there's things like, um, I suggest a lot more flowers. I suggest, um, sugar snap peas. I suggest a lot of things that you direct. sow, actually, and I think this gives such a huge amount of gratification to watch something come out of the ground. It introduces us to seed starting. There's a lot of things. And so I highly suggest really analyzing what is best as a beginner. If you're just starting, or maybe this is your third year, maybe start adding in some of these more challenging things like okra and eggplant and Brussels sprouts, but don't start with those things. Even cabbages, cabbages are hard. They, they have a lot of pests. They have a lot of issues. If you listen to last, last week's episode, you would know some of the things that you could do. Um, but you know, you, there's a lot of different things. Uh, mini herbs are really easy to grow. And surprisingly, there's some fruit raspberries, grapes are really easy. So they're an investment in terms of time, like putting, getting them in the ground and giving them time in terms of years to grow, not work. Uh, and they like do really well, but there's vegetables are really hard. Flowers, herbs, and some fruit are extremely easy, but many vegetables are quite challenging. So I just always suggest like thinking through this as a beginner, analyzing that, you know, in me, like, where's my level? So next is what is interesting to you? Now, I know I said not to get caught up in the beautiful things, but you can still get caught up in the easy, beautiful things or the beautiful things that you actually eat. So you're like, I do like kale, Megan. Great. Now go look at all the beautiful kale and which kale interests you the most. <laughs> if you are like, I love strawberries, there's a lot of different varieties of strawberries. If you like you know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you like lettuces or you really just want to make a salad garden this year. Awesome. We can do that. What kind of lettuces interest you? There are just, you open Johnny's seed catalog and it's just like pages of greens. <laughs> so there's so many varieties. That's where you can take that interest and you can target it into the appropriate places. Um, the next thing is, is asking what kind of space you actually have. So if you have, let's say two, four by eight raised beds, I think that's like the most traditional, great place for most gardeners, most home gardeners. That's the amount of space and time that they have, uh, for the average person. So I definitely suggest that 
if that's the kind of space you have, that you don't grow things like pumpkins or a lot of like trailing squashes, watermelons, you're going to lose your space in your garden and not be able to optimize it. Now, if you have multiple beds, if you have six beds maybe, or even four, sure, let's do one. Let's do it that way. And then interplant with some other great companions and you're going to have a beautiful raised bed. But if you have a small amount of space, let's make the most out of that by utilizing either trellising things or things like that, which you can do with squash. And But I would highly suggest instead using those trellises to grow things like cucumbers. Cucumbers are a really great thing to grow as a beginner in a small space. Okay. So next thing is how much will your family eat? Family, meaning whoever is eating out of that box. Family can be you and a neighbor. Family can be you and your chickens. Family can be whoever it is for you. Uh, but you have to analyze how much you're actually eating. Not that I'm saying that you have to con- complete your whole grocery experience and purchasing out of your own garden. But I think if you're going to plant something, understand the production level of that plant. So you know how many you actually need to grow because I think that is a key piece in it. You know, for instance, the year that last year I over got overzealous about tomatoes and I planted 40 tomato plants, 40 tomato plants is a lot of tomato plants, friends, <laughs> like not only from a work standpoint, but also from like a production standpoint, I gave away pounds of tomatoes to um, there was a local restaurant that they gave them to all their employees. Um, I gave some to a friend to give to her. She works at the hospital uh, and she gave them to the nurses. There were so many places these went, which is amazing, by the way. I loved that we could do that. But that was a lot of space I also could have utilized to grow other things and try other things. And so this year, I'm only going to have like 10 to 15 tomato plants because that seems to be sufficient for us. So, which is hard because I love growing tomatoes. They are a deep passion of mine, but I also love growing beans and I love growing a lot of other things that also can still be shared and enjoyed within our family and with others. So I think it's really important to understand what is appropriate. Like how much does that plant actually produce and which should equal how many plants you actually need per like in your garden in exactly, if that makes sense. So then lastly, what kind of things do you want to harvest? And I love this one, but I save it for last because this, this is like kind of a high concept, I think, uh, to kind of wrap your brain around because it takes a lot of forethought, but I love thinking about the things that we eat during the colder months things that we like to eat and then that we can harvest and save. And that's what I mean by like, what do you want to harvest? It's not just like, what's going to feel good when you pull it out of the ground or you can also, you go with it with that route too. But there's a lot of enjoyment with pulling a carrot out of the ground. I get it. Or an onion, a lot of fun, but I definitely suggest thinking about this. So one of the things recently, you know, Mike is from Texas and they have, this is not something I grew up with. This was not a tradition I grew up with, but they are like, you eat black eyed peas on New Year's day. Like there's no question. Like if you do like, like when the pandemic hit, we all, everyone was like, okay, 
who didn't eat the black eyed peas? <laughs> and because, you know, they bring luck and everything. So I was like, you know what? I want to try growing these. Let's eat it. I don't like black eyed peas, but maybe if I grow our own, they will taste better because what doesn't taste better that we grow ourselves. So I, I decided I was going to grow them. I never grow them, but they were something that we would eat. So I grew like 10 plants and they were not in the right location. So they didn't produce as well as I think they could have, but they produced really well still. And we had plenty for New Year's Day. And it was awesome to be able to pull those out, those beans that I dried that the kids and I harvested. And it tells a story. And on top of that, you know, there's other things like we, I always, I don't grow our own, I didn't grow our own pumpkins last year. So like I went to a farm, I got pumpkins and saved those. So I made sure that we had everything we needed for Thanksgiving. I always put away our own tomatoes because we eat tomatoes during the winter more than anything. And, um, but that that's just one thing that I think we don't always think about when we're planning our garden is thinking about some of these things that we want to be putting away in our pantry that will tell a deeper story down the road. Like one of the things they actually talk about in the e-course is that my kids love strawberries, but both of their birthdays and they always want strawberries in their cake for their birthday, but they don't, they, they're both their birthdays are in the winter. So I am that parent who doesn't buy strawberries in the winter. So instead I make sure that we get them when they're at their peak and we save them and I stew, like make them into a stewed strawberry and they don't even have sugar in them. I just like cook them down and then we save them. It's not a jam. It's just like they're stewed. And so they go perfectly like blended into a cake. And then we also freeze dry some, uh, and, or get them from a local farm that does freeze drying. And it is perfect for making the perfect strawberry cakes for them or to make a special dessert with strawberries. And you can do this with blueberries. You can do this with anything that maybe you're growing yourself. And so I just highly suggest thinking about those things when you're like, what do I actually need to grow? So I just think we get caught up in seeing other things in other people's gardens or, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like designing a home. You know, what do you actually need in your home? We might see something beautiful in somebody else's home or somebody else's space, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily right for us. And so I just kind of go through this checklist myself to just figure out like, what is it that's actually right for me and what isn't? And it's always interesting to see what I come up with because this year I was like really curious into okra and I grew up like for a long time in Kentucky and okra was a huge part of the diet there. And so as I've done research about this plant, it's really fascinating, the history, everything. And so I'm like, you know what? I want to try this. I think I can do it, you know, and I wouldn't have thought that I would ever grow okra like six years ago. Um, but I guess we'll see how it goes. So I hope this is really helpful. And like I said, if you were like, oh my gosh, this like clarified so much, I want to know more. Great news. If you want those charts, you want those things, you can check out the Ultimate Garden Planning Toolkit, which is linked in the show notes. You can also check out the e-course. We're going to be talking a lot about these things. So, um, and I'm going to be saying it over and over again because guys, it I designed it so it was easy for you guys. I want gardening to be easy. I want it to be approachable and I want you to feel successful. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be filled with bugs. It doesn't have to be full of weeds or work. Okay. 
just trust me. Check it out if you're into it. If not, till then, my friends, I'll see you out there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.